0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. i tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, November 3rd, 2022, the 652nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and you'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast on a wide range of podcast platforms, as well as Rumble, of course. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. So last night, the fake president stepped out to make what the media and the fake administration referred to as a major campaign speech. This was the closing argument for the Democrats going into Tuesday's midterms. And because it was so important, Joe Biden went to Union Station in Washington, D.C. To give this speech, Union Station is where Joe Biden would end up after taking the train from Delaware. You know, that old story about how he took the train back and forth each day so that he could go back to Delaware and be with his kids. Joe Biden, the family man, a return to decency. We were told the adults would be back in the room. If only we elected Joe Biden. Now there is a compelling argument to be made that Joe Biden's children would have had far better lives if Joe Biden had simply stayed in Washington, D.C. and never tried to raise them at all. But hey, the past is the past. There's nothing we can do about it now. And his children turned out to be degenerates. But it wasn't his fault, of course, because Joe Biden is such a decent man. It must just be the result of trauma or something. But not caused by Joe Biden. Definitely not caused by Joe Biden. Even though he did shower with his daughter while she was a little girl and she wrote in her own diary that the showers were probably inappropriate. That's how she described them. And naturally, Joe Biden did exploit his son Hunter, sending him around the world as a bagman to complete his corrupt business dealings with our foreign adversaries, knowing that Hunter Biden was a crack addict who could not stop calling hookers. But like any good father, Joe just kept sending him out there. He said, you'll get him this time, son. You're the smartest man I know. And it's always important for Joe Biden to remind the country that he is that kind of decent man who takes the train back and forth to Delaware as a sign of his decency. So why not have the speech at Union Station in D.C.? Well, before yesterday, there was a good reason why not to have it there. And it's because it was overrun. With the homeless, there were just large homeless encampments there. And in other countries that aren't the United States, those would just be called slums, basically. They literally build tent cities where they just stay for months, years. But we don't call them that here. We pretend that we are being kind and compassionate by allowing these people to live outside wherever they want and do whatever they want. The last thing these people need is to get arrested for drugs and theft and robbery and assault and, hey, maybe rape, maybe murder. They sure set a lot of things on fire, but it's definitely the most compassionate thing we can do to leave them out there. And in fact, if you want to get more compassionate, we can just open up drug clinics around the country where they can get their drugs for free. And Joe Biden actually did help them do that. We all remember when they were giving out free crack pipes, and I know, I know, that's been debunked, right, commies? Except, of course, like everything else you say has been debunked, it hasn't been debunked, and you really got to stop saying that. I know you think it sounds intellectual, but to everybody else, it seems like you are just sticking your fingers in your ears. And then screaming until all of the adults stop talking so you can show them what you finger painted. And yes, Kami, fine. You are very talented. We will stick it up on the fridge. OK, is that enough? Can you stop saying things are debunked now? So they cleared all the homeless out. They made the building look beautiful again. And then the fake president gave a speech. So let's hear his best attempt to read the words that someone else wrote as the best attempt to make it make sense somehow that the Democrats might actually be able to win an election through obvious election fraud.
1: Good evening, everyone. Just a few days ago, a little before 2.30 a.m. in the morning, a man smashed the back windows and broke into the home of the Speaker of the House of Representatives, the third-highest-ranking official in America. He carried in his backpack zip ties, duct tape, rope, and a hammer. As he told the police, he had come looking for Nancy Pelosi to take her hostage, to interrogate her, to threaten to break her kneecaps. But she wasn't there. Her husband, my friend Paul Pelosi was home alone. The assailant tried to take Paul hostage. He woke him up. and wanted to tie him up. The assailant ended up using a hammer to smash Paul's skull. Thankfully, by the grace of God, Paul survived. All this happened after the assault it just it's hard hard to even say it's hard to even say after the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th when they broke windows, kicked in the doors, brutally attacked law enforcement, roamed the corridors, hunting, hunting for officials. And erected gallows to hang the former vice president Mike Pence.
0: Now, all of that was absolutely insane. Apparently, that is the purified version of all of the narrative pieces that the mainstream media has spewed out over the last five days and this is the order they think it makes the most sense in hey no one will question this stuff all of these claims have something to them right everybody who watches us and pays attention to us will believe most of this stuff or they'll at least feel like they believe it they'll feel like all this stuff is true And once Joe Biden says it, they know they have to defend it and repeat it because this is now the official story. There have been so many official stories over the last five days, but now it's winnowed down to the perfect story. And this is it. David DePap broke into the house, even though the glass was shattered outward. And that's not how he got in there. And there's no security footage available to any of us to substantiate their story in any way, even though we know the security footage exists. If they wanted us to accept the story in full and then accept the meaning they take from this story, first they have to actually prove the story's true in any way. And they can't do that. In fact, they're saying things that are provably, obviously false. We are supposed to believe that this essentially homeless, lifetime member of the Green Party, who lives in a hippie commune with a Black Lives Matter LGBT flag outside the house, just walked his way into Nancy Pelosi's house while her husband was asleep in order to kidnap Nancy Pelosi, who wasn't there. And he said, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Just like the people in the Capitol. And you know what? David DePap is exactly like the people in the Capitol because he wrote two blogs before his blog even existed. And he sounds like a QAnon and a climate denier and a vaccine denier and an Amber Heard hater and an election denier and a homophobe and a transphobe and an Islamophobe and everything else they can think of. That is their big proof. This was just like January 6th. That's what we're going to tell everybody. And it doesn't even matter if they believe it because they're going to say it anyway. That's how committed they are to being right about everything forever. If they admit that something their side is doing seems wrong in real time, they might have to admit that all of it is wrong. Now, they'll admit that it was wrong years later and they'll just say, well, nobody knew the facts were still coming in. We went with the best story we had and it turned out to be wrong again. But of course, they weren't wrong for believing it. They were being responsible. They understood the real threat of MAGA extremist violence. So there is far more real world evidence to suggest that David DePapp, would have absolutely nothing to do with the MAGA movement, the America First movement. He's obviously in no way a conservative. He is known as a Castro nudist. That's the gay district in San Francisco. He was widely known, including by political figures like Scott Weiner, the pervert in California's legislature. How did they know each other on a friendly or acquaintance level? But the Pelosi's never heard of him. And how is it that during the 911 call that Paul Pelosi made, he called the man David by his name and said he was a friend? Is that something you would say about the person that just broke into your house trying to assassinate your wife? Of course not. And he hit Paul Pelosi with the hammer, we are told, after the cops already arrived. Does Joe Biden add any of that to his description of the situation? Of course not, because all that matters is the meaning that you're supposed to take away. The meaning you're supposed to take away is that the no, no people are very dangerous. We say again and again and again that if they're allowed to keep saying things on the Internet, there's going to be violence to follow. And because there's never any actual violence to follow, they have to point to examples like this. Examples they create themselves, examples that are meant to fit perfectly into their narrative. That's why David DePap, after a lifetime of being a hardcore leftist hippie, suddenly converted and then began saying all of the no-no things about all of the no-no subjects. And it's just perfectly lined up to make everybody scared of the no-no people. And because of those blogs that just self-generated out of nowhere, we can trust that his motivations for being inside Paul Pelosi's house were strictly political and absolutely not related to drugs or gay sex. Biden naturally failed to mention that the J6 committee just broadcast to the entire nation a few weeks ago a documentary filmed by nancy pelosi's daughter on bring your daughter to the insurrection day that shows nancy pelosi saying that she wants to punch out the president of the united states of america but that you see is not encouraging political violence and neither is this um, i read a, a poll just yesterday that white republican suburban women are now going to vote republican why it's Almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, it's I think like, that's they're ins- voting, No, it's insulting to the, against, the voter. Against, we, they're we, voting no, against no. their own self-interest. Do we want to Gilead? Okay, do so they do want we love it in the
1: hands? Do the we love tail? democracy
0: or not? Because
1: uh, just saying that it's it's insulting to the voter. People make up decisions on what's right <laughs> for their family, and the idea that well, the you should that have a say women, for everyone else's vote. The fact that women are voting against. You their had a different view on abortion not that long ago, and you. I have that view, but that issue is. Why, but then why is another woman? able I am very surprised to have
0: that white Republican suburban women.
1: But why is
0: so health- That's Sunny Hostin from The View describing white suburban women voting for Republicans as roaches voting for raid? And in 2022, that is actually, we're told, a pro woman stance because we know that all women want to reserve the right to kill their babies in the womb. And because all women want that, then we can't say, hey, maybe it's not right to be killing those babies in the womb. But don't worry, it's not dehumanizing when they do it. Let's get back to the fake president.
1: It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again. The big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation
0: over the past two years. I mean, what? There has been a dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation in the past two years. That makes absolutely no sense. The only rise in political violence in recent American history has come from the advent of Black Lives Matter and TIFA. They were burning down cities for months at a time, assaulting police officers, assaulting federal officers, assaulting federal courthouses and national monuments. They were breaking into stores and looting them. They were attacking people because... They were Republicans. This has not gone in two directions. It has only gone in one direction. And I know, I know, the very violent insurrection. That covers for everything, all of it, all the time. All you have to say is January 6th and everybody knows how dangerous Republicans are. And of course, Donald Trump whipped them into a frenzy by saying peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Oh, that is such incitement. It's crazy that they didn't completely take over the whole of American government after being so incited. In fact, it's amazing that they just simply stopped because Donald Trump nicely asked them to. It's hard to imagine how the Civil War is not ongoing today, especially since... All of the very dangerous MAGA extremists are also the ones with all of the guns. But have they taken those guns out and started shooting? No, no, they haven't. Not anywhere. Isn't it crazy? Even the Buffalo shooter was a communist. At some point, you might think, why are they still trying this? Does anyone believe this? And fortunately, the number of people who believe any of this stuff is getting smaller every day. Also, fortunately, many of the people who would say they still believe this stuff don't really believe this stuff. They have a belief in believing in this stuff. They believe it makes them good people to believe in this stuff. So they'll repeat the slogans. They will say to other people that all of this stuff is true, but they don't actually believe it themselves because they can't even explain it themselves. And perhaps most fortunately, they believe it so little that they would never stand up for it anywhere at any time in any way if it actually put them at risk in any way. So for all intents and purposes, they don't believe it. There's no content to the belief and the belief is not capable of spurring action. So what then is it to believe something? They're simply happy to lie because the lie they think is effective and they're happy to support joe biden's lie in hopes that joe biden's lie will be effective and at that point it's pretty easy to understand that they will do and say just about anything to hold on to power even before january
1: the 6th we saw election officials and election workers in a number of states subject to menacing calls physical threats even threats to their very lives. In Georgia, for example, the Republican Secretary of State and his family were subjected to death threats because he refused to break the law and give in to the defeated President's demand, just find him, 11,780 votes. Just find me, 11,780 votes. Election workers like Shea Moss and her mother, Ruby Freeman, were harassed and threatened just because they had the courage to do their job and stand up for the truth, to stand up for our democracy.
0: It's speeches like this one that make you think they can't really be trying this, right? Is this just all a trick? Is someone sabotaging these speeches in order to expose the entire Democrat party? What exactly is this? He's just bringing up narratives that benefit us out of nowhere. I mean, Donald Trump's phone call to Georgia that The Washington Post got from Geordie Fuchs and then posted online first in clips. But if you listen to the whole phone call, you'll hear it as a perfect phone call. It's what a president should do. He had his lawyers there. They were all operating within the bounds of the law. Donald Trump knew his facts. Those facts happened to be true. And he said to Raffensberger, hey, can't you just find one of these areas with all of these fraudulent votes and admit that these are actually fraudulent? You know, you don't have to go the whole way in. But you can't admit that any of these things are true. Well, they were true. And another thing that's true is that Wandria Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman pulled suitcases of ballots out from under a table after the voting had been stopped in Fulton County and then ran those ballots through the machines multiple times. It's all on video. It was never debunked. There's not even a way to debunk it. They stopped the counting and then started counting While no one was present and no one knew about it, they weren't supposed to be counting. They just got caught. And because they got caught in such obvious fashion, they had to come up with a convoluted and complicated explanation as to why everything that happened on camera was actually legal. But it wasn't legal. The law actually prescribes how votes are supposed to be counted and who's supposed to be in the room in order to make them legal and legitimate votes. And none of those things happened. It's all on video. There is absolutely nothing to debunk. But thank you, Joe, for reminding everyone about the existence of these two women. Hopefully people will begin asking, where's Ruby? Where is Wandria Shea? And maybe one day we'll get an answer. And of course, it wasn't just the video that Rudy Giuliani made public from the counting room that shows them pulling the ballots out from under the table and running them through the machines over and over. Ruby Freeman had been recording videos of herself committing election fraud and posting them to Instagram. And of course, these people will do that. They believe that they are saving democracy from the bad orange man. You have to remember that the communists don't hide what they're doing. They're proud of it. They think it's actually good and justified. They think that they are heroes for cheating in elections. They believe it's what the world needs. It's the same idea that made so many blue checks on Twitter completely shame themselves forever. Tweeting about, let's say, how if you didn't get your kids the vaccine, you should never be allowed medical care. Stuff like that. They've decided that what they want is actually the best for everyone. And if anybody slows them down in getting what they want, Those are actually the evil people because they can't be evil. They are permanently right all the time. That's what it means to be a good person.
1: This institution, this intimidation, this violence against Democrats, Republicans and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs are the consequence of lies, toll for power and profit lies of conspiracy and malice, lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America, whether it's directed at Democrats or Republicans. No place, period. No place ever.
0: There's no place in America for political violence, except, let's say, Minneapolis in 2020 and portland in 2020 and seattle in 2020 and los angeles in 2020 and atlanta in 2020 and chicago in 2020 and new york in 2020 and philadelphia in 2020 and also all of those cities since then that still have massive crime problems caused by democrats they want to destabilize cities so in a sense the crime that they allow to happen is in some way political violence Let's not pretend that they're not benefiting from this rampant crime. They want to say that local police aren't capable of keeping our cities crime free. So therefore, we need federal police. And they're certainly not upset when people leave cities and institutional investors and foreign investors can come in and buy up all the real estate. They're always okay with that. They're not upset that businesses close due to crime due to reduced foot traffic at businesses in cities because of the crime. Is anyone supposed to expect that they would care about these businesses after they're the same ones they intentionally locked down for the very deadly pandemic? What they want is to create the idea that people on the right want political violence. MAGA wants political violence. I have never seen anyone in MAGA ever encourage political violence. We are actually strongly against it at all times. Anyone who even brings up the subject or hints at the subject is most commonly just scolded for doing so. So why are they doing it? It's like they're planning a BLM Antifa for after the election and they want to be able to blame it on Trump supporters. But will any of the country believe them that the Trump supporters went out to commit political violence because the communists stole another election? Well, no, I doubt it, because that's not what's going to happen. People aren't going to go out and get violent. Most people understand that we can solve these things through peaceful means, which is why we haven't seen two years of civil war already. It's not like people aren't mad. It's not like they don't understand what's happened. It's that civil war is absolutely the worst possible option, not only because it's ineffective, but because then you've destroyed the country. The whole point is taking back the country without destroying it. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Speak
1: today near Capitol Hill, near the U.S. Capitol, the citadel of our democracy. I know there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections from our economy, to the safety of our streets, to our personal freedoms, the future of health care, Social Security, Medicare. It's all important. But we'll have our differences. We we'll have our difference of opinion. And that's what it's supposed to be. But there's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown an overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. They too see
0: that democracy is on the ballot this year. Yeah, sure. Americans understand that there are all of these problems in the country and that they've all been caused by my illegitimate administration. But do you know what the media's told Americans the most? It's that democracy is under threat. And so when I say it, everybody's going to already know that that's what's really true. Democracy is under threat. Most Americans can see that, and it's all because of MAGA Republicans and absolutely not because of us, even though we're the ones who stole the election. Americans understand that. Who cares about gas prices and food prices when you have reason to be just as scared as Chris Hayes and Ali Velshi are?
1: And they're deeply concerned about it. So today, I appeal to all Americans regardless of party to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, but institutions that have held us together as we sought a more perfect union are also at stake. We must vote knowing who we have been, what we're at risk of becoming.
0: It's hilarious that this speech has been received so poorly because I would have laughed so hard with all the media figures saying how that this was actually a very unifying speech. Joe Biden was laser focused on appealing to all Americans, to appealing to the good hearts of all Americans as he brought them together to unify against this great threat they were all facing from their fellow citizens and absolutely not their government. It could never be their government. It's just the citizens who are creating this threat. Definitely not the government. The unifier in chief Joe Biden. Now, sure, two months ago, he gave a Nazi speech where he called well more than half the country semi fascists I get it. But you're forgetting the power of how the lights down the sides of the reflecting pool in Washington, D.C. on the night of his fake inauguration were like two arms extended, hugging the nation, bringing us all together. Those were Joe Biden's very feeble little arms, reaching out to pull us close for a good long sniff as if we were a 13-year-old girl at a campaign event.
1: Look, my fellow Americans... The old expression, freedom is not free. It requires constant vigilance. Freedom isn't
0: free. It costs folks like you and me. And if we don't all chip in, we'll never pay. Don't throw in your buckle five, who will? Ooh, buckle five, freedom calls a buckle fast. Freedom isn't free. It requires constant vigilance, but not constant vigilance of the type that might, let's say, want to audit an election. Not the kind of constant vigilance that might lead you to waiting till all the facts come in before participating in a hate campaign against the majority of the country. Not that kind of vigilance, not the sort of vigilance that would have citizens out watching the illegal drop boxes that serve no purpose and were sponsored by a tech oligarch who literally owns all the data about you and is intimately connected with not only the Biden administration, but also the Chinese Communist Party, and is probably one of the biggest global communist assets in the entire world. You wouldn't want to watch those. That is not the sort of constant vigilance that's called for in order to preserve a democracy. The sort of constant vigilance Joe Biden is referring to is the same as their guidance on how to respond to nuclear fallout. Go inside, stay inside, watch media. And then, of course, you have to do the last thing, which is allow them to do whatever they want with your vote. Will you cast it by mail in a Dropbox? Do you wish you could cast your vote on your phone So that it would have to go through various data servers and it would just end up somewhere. And then they would give you the result and they'd say, hey, everybody pushed the same button on their phone. It's just like American Idol. You get it? Ha 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 ha. Look at that. All the communists won again. Yes, that's it. That is the exact sort of constant vigilance that Joe Biden needs. If we had that, Joe Biden would be able to easily save the world from the sun.
1: From the very beginning. Nothing has been guaranteed about democracy in America. Every generation has had to defend it, protect it, preserve it, choose it. For that's what democracy is. It's a choice, a decision of the people, by the people, and for the people.
0: Well, hey, first off, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. And as president, that's something that you're kind of supposed to know. But I like how you said it's a decision for the people. That is what's happening, isn't it? Things are being decided for the people. And once you call them democracy, the people have to accept them. That is why communist parties always have such high approval and win elections by such large margins. You'd think that they would want to hide the things that they're doing and intend to do a little bit better than this. But the truth is, they don't care. They like it and they know that their followers like it because their followers like anything. In fact, they don't even need to like it. They just need to believe they like it and they will believe they like it as soon as they're told that's the best thing to like.
1: The issue couldn't be clear in my view. We, the people, must decide whether we'll have fair and free elections. And every vote counts. We the people must decide whether we're going to sustain a republic where reality is accepted, the law is obeyed, and your vote is truly sacred. We the people must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we will allow the dark forces. The thirst, the thirst for power, put ahead of the principles that we've long guided us.
0: It is a complete and total inversion of reality, and he's even pointing it out. But in the false reality, that's what makes the most sense. Everyone else is in the false reality. And it's funny because the realities are so split. One is the true inversion of the other one, and people occasionally Find that line to be blurry whenever they're having doubts, when they lose faith. And that's fine. That's to be expected. But when that happens, try to get back down to the roots. What do I know to be true? Find something you absolutely cannot doubt. Like, is there any way that Joe Biden actually got 81 million real legal American votes? No. Was there any time where the vaccines were safe and effective? Was there any time where the very deadly pandemic was actually very deadly? Was there any time where masks worked? Was there any time that lockdowns worked? Was the Russiagate, the Russia collusion story with Trump, was that ever true? No, none of it was ever true. So who are the liars? It's not a difficult question. It's pretty obvious. I mean, you've checked these things out for yourself, I hope. Don't take my word for any of it have any of them checked on any of the things they believe? Of course not. They hear a competing story. They look for a debunk. They read the debunk and then they run around saying debunked, debunked, debunked. That's it. That's how much they check. So it's your reality or theirs. Which one is more likely to be correct? And hey, it's seeming like Joe Biden is beginning to question the integrity of our elections. I mean, I could be wrong, but just keep an ear out for it. See if that's what you hear.
1: American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refused to accept the results of the 2020 election. He refuses to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost He has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party.
0: It's crazy that the safest and most secure election of all time is still the subject for the fake president's closing argument going into a massive midterm election that is very likely to see his party, if not for election fraud, completely Swept out of the government. They believe that their anti Trump argument is stronger than any possible argument they could make in support of the job that they've done. And it's amazing that they're still framing it as the big lie, even though the media companies have stopped framing it that way. But let's remember what the big lie is this is what is attributed to Goebbels. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now, who is exercising state power in that way? Is it Donald Trump or is it the fake president, Joe Biden? If you think it's possible for people with absolutely no power to be enforcing the big lie on their own, then you don't understand the concept of the big lie. And of course, when you consider the total inversion within the false reality, it has to be like this. They have to turn it around and they actually have to use the terminology, the big lie, so that it won't seem like they're the ones doing it. Now, this is a terrible strategy that does not work, but we're talking about people whose two primary characteristics are their narcissism and their complete and total incompetence. They really still believe that everybody wants to be like them. Everyone wants to achieve power the way they've achieved it through corruption and compromise and nepotism and favor trading. And they will believe that people are as shamelessly ambitious as they are and that people will be happy to go along with all of it because that's how they continue to gain power. But it's blatant on its face what it is they're doing. They are using the exact strategy Goebbels described. Minority of that party. The great irony about the 220 election
1: is that it's the most attacked election in our history, and yet, and yet, there's no
0: election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. Except that's not true, and well over half the country knows it's not true. Over half the country was saying well over a year ago that they didn't believe the results of the election, that they thought cheating affected the outcome of the election. This is the election in our history of which we can be most certain about the results? Well, then why are you still telling us that two years later? Every legal
1: challenge that could have been brought was brought. Every recount that could have been undertaken was undertaken. Every recount confirmed the results. Wherever fact or evidence had been demanded, the big lie has been proven to be just that, a big lie, every single time.
0: It's really hard not to be sad that there are still people in this country that believe that. All it takes is knowing that you have to repeat the slogans no matter what, And then simply never checking. You care so little about the sanctity of anyone's vote that you do not check at all. And you are just reassured every time illegitimate politicians say things like that. Yet
1: now, extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Instead of waiting until an election is over. They're starting well before it. They're starting now. They've in violence and intimidation of voters and election officials. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear. This is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America,
0: America. You hear that? The MAGA extremists are actually a very small minority in the Republican Party, which is strange because Donald Trump has like 90% plus approval ratings within the Republican Party. And it's also strange because MAGA candidates overwhelmingly won In the primaries, that's why there are 300 of them running in the general election next week. But they can't admit that because they've already tried to paint MAGA as extremist and fringe. If MAGA was actually the driving force in the political opposition in the Republican Party, then it would be pretty damn hard to call them extreme. But then again, over half the country for well over a year now, has known that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. And they know that they were lied to about COVID and the vaccines. They know they were lied to about the very violent insurrection. And they can see what's happening in society. There are brand new MAGA extremists becoming MAGA extremists every single day. And since that's been true for seven years, how can they still be a minority fringe?
1: It's about the durability of our democracy. For democracies are more than a form of government. They're a way of being, a way of seeing the world, a way that defines who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do. Democracy is simply that fundamental. We must, in this moment, dig deep within ourselves and recognize that we can't take democracy for granted any longer. With democracy and the ballot, we have to remember these first principles. Democracy means the rule of the people, not the rule of monarchs or the moneyed, but the rule of the people. Autocracy is the opposite of democracy. It means the rule of one, one person, one interest, one ideology,
0: one party. Now, that doesn't even make sense. Is it one person, one ideology or one party? Because those things are totally different. And democracy is an ideology if autocracy is an ideology. And so then democracy would be the rule of one ideology, which I guess we're supposed to assume is bad. So then is democracy bad? I'm starting to think these communists aren't very attached to reality. But you're not supposed to think about that. You're supposed to think that all the no no people are in a cult and Donald Trump is their leader. So it's all the rule of Donald Trump. And of course, they call every leader they don't like an autocrat. Bolsonaro is an autocrat. Viktor Orban is an autocrat. Vladimir Putin is an autocrat. Every no no person who has power in the world at all, is an autocrat. And all their supporters are supporting autocracy because they're in a cult. Don't you get it? When votes are systematically stolen to keep one party in power, the establishment uniparty with all the corporate sponsors and global partners, by the way, that's democracy. When people go out and vote for a candidate because they like that candidate better than the other candidate. Well, that's autocracy person, one
1: interest, one ideology, one party, one
0: love, one blood, one life. You got to do what you should state the obvious, the lives
1: of billions of people from antiquity till now. Have been shaped by the battle between these competing forces between the aspirations of the many and the greed and power of the few between the people's right for self-determination and the self-seeking autocrat between the dreams of a democracy and the appetites of an
0: autocracy i mean he's just saying things over and over again None of these sentences actually make any sense, but they're supposed to sound poetic and hit people emotionally. And this is the sort of approach you take when you have absolutely nothing to say. This is just rhetoric.
1: What we're doing now is going to determine whether democracy will long endure. It, in my view, is the biggest of questions. Whether the American system prizes the individual, bends towards justice, and depends, depends on the rule of law, whether that system will prevail. This is the struggle we're now in, a struggle for democracy, a struggle for decency and dignity, a struggle for prosperity and progress, a struggle for the very soul of America itself. Make no mistake, democracy is in the ballot for all of us. We must remember that democracy is a covenant. We need to start looking out for each other again, seeing ourselves as we, the people, not as entrenched enemies. This is a choice we can make. Disunion and chaos are not inevitable. There's been anger before in America there's been division before in America. But we've never given up on the American experiment. We can't do that now. The remarkable thing about American democracy is this. Just enough of us, on just enough occasions, have chosen not to dismantle democracy, but to preserve democracy. We must choose that path again. Because democracy is in the ballot, we have to remember, that even in our darkest moments, there are fundamental values and beliefs that unite us as Americans, and they must unite us now. What are they? Well, I think, first, we believe the vote in America is sacred, to be honored, not denied, respected, not dismissed, counted, not ignored. A vote is not a partisan tool be counted when it helps your candidates and tossed aside when it doesn't second we must with an overwhelming voice stand against political violence and voter intimidation period stand up and speak against it we don't settle our differences in america with a riot a mob or a bullet or a hammer
0: we settle them peaceably at the battle at the battle box the ballot box The first thing. The vote is sacred. We would never, ever, ever treat your vote as anything less than sacred. But also, we're going to make it so you can print your ballot out at home on your own printer and then drop it into a Dropbox owned by Mark Zuckerberg. And we're not going to check your ID. We're not going to check your signature. We're not going to have any idea of whether or not you're an illegal alien, because actually we're trying to make it so that illegal aliens can vote. And it turns out that illegal aliens are voting because we're automatically registering them at the DMV. And then we're stealing their ballot before it ever gets to them. So they don't even know that they have a vote. But since we're the people who treat the illegal aliens so well, I mean, of course we are. We're the ones who bring them here. In coordination with the Mexican drug cartels, we know what's best for them as far as their vote. So we vote for them. That's how sacred their vote is. The votes are so sacred that we won't even let the law get in the way when we are trying to get all the votes we could possibly get from whoever we can possibly get them from, whether or not they're an American citizen. And the second thing is that we don't solve our problems through violence and mobs and rioting and 2020 just simply didn't happen George Floyd was murdered by a policeman, even though the death certificate says he died of a fentanyl overdose. Breonna Taylor was shot in her bed, even though she was not in her bed and was very likely shooting. And Jacob Blake was assaulted by the police, even though he was assaulting the police with a knife after sexually assaulting his ex-girlfriend. And we would never encourage those riots or bail out the rioters even though we did encourage the riots and bail out the rioters and there is a direct historical proof of that and everyone knows it but we don't solve our problems with hammers no we solve them at the battle box the battle box i mean the battle i mean the ballot box
1: we have to be honest with ourselves though we have to face this problem we can't turn away from it we can't pretend it's just going to solve itself. There's an alarming rise in the number of our people in this country condoning political violence or simply remaining silence
0: because silence is complicity. Oh boy, that is some pure communism. You can just stick that right in the vein. That is just the real thing right there. Silence is complicity. They tried that in the summer of 2020. White silence. Do you remember that? Now there are more people condoning political violence. That is what Joe Biden, the fake president of the United States of America, just said about Americans. There are more Americans than ever. It's a startling number condoning political violence or just simply remaining silent about it. And what he means, of course, is anyone who's challenging the official story about Paul Pelosi's half-naked hammer time. Silence is complicity. Soon, if you're complicit enough in this sort of domestic terrorism through your silence, well, your silence might be enough to put you in prison. Is that where this is going? It's hard to say, although that's where this has gone every time an illegitimate regime has tried to turn a nation communist
1: the disturbing rise of voter intimidation, the pernicious tendency to excuse political violence, or at least, at least, trying to explain it away. We can't allow this sentiment to grow. We must confront it head-on, now. It has to stop now. I believe the voices excusing or calling for violence and intimidation are a distinct minority in America. But they're loud, and they are determined. We have to be more determined. All of us who reject political violence and voter intimidation, and I believe that's the overwhelming majority of the American people, all of us must unite to make it absolutely clear that violence and intimidation have no place in America. And third, we believe in democracy. That's who we are as Americans. I know it isn't easy. Democracy is imperfect. It always has been. But we are all called to defend it now, now. History and common sense tell us that liberty, opportunity, and justice thrive in a democracy, not in an autocracy. At our best, America is not a zero-sum society or for you to succeed, someone else has to fail. A promise America is big enough. It's big enough for everyone to succeed. Every generation opening the door of opportunity just a little bit wider. Every generation, including those who have been excluded before. We believe we should leave no one behind because each one of us is a child of God and every person Every person is sacred. If that's true, then every person's rights must be sacred as well. Individual dignity, individual worth, individual determination, that's America. That's democracy. And that's what we have to defend. Look, even as I speak here tonight, 27 million people have already cast their ballot in the midterm elections. Millions more will cast their ballots in the final days leading up to November the 9th 8th, excuse me And for the first time This is the first time since the national election of 2020 Once again, we're seeing record turnout all over the country and that's good We want Americans to vote We want every American's voice to be heard now We have to move the process forward We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. We know that many states don't start counting those ballots. until after the polls close on November 8th.
0: And there it is. That's exactly what we heard from The Washington Post yesterday. They're not going to start counting the mail in ballots until after the election. So it's going to take days and days. Well, hey, that's when they've always counted all the votes. That's how it has always worked. The election ends and then the ballots are counted. So they're just reframing the way it's always worked and telling you that the way it's always worked is going to be exactly the thing that makes it work in a way it has not always worked. Don't you get it? Everything is sacred. Everything is democracy. There's no place for violence. There's no place for voter intimidation. And if we end up completely violating the will of the people, that's okay. Because just think about how bad the other people are. That means in some cases we won't know the winner
1: of the election for a few days, until a few days after the election. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner it's always been important for citizens in democracy to be informed and engaged now it's important for citizens to be patient as well that's how it's supposed to work
0: that absolutely is not how this is supposed to work they're trying to reframe the delay in counting Which is the period they flood in all the extra ballots they need to achieve the results they've already determined as how long it takes when you are doing the best possible job to make sure everything is perfect.
1: This is also the first election since the events of January 6th when the armed angry mob stormed the U.S. Capitol. I wish I wish I could say the assault on a democracy ended that day. But I cannot. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America — for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state — who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of election that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful.
0: And it's un-American. Well, it's definitely not unprecedented. It's definitely not unlawful. And the only way it could be un-American is if they stood there silent and conceded and accepted the results that they were given in the presence of overwhelming and obvious fraud. Again, this is a complete and total inversion of reality. I've said before. You can't love your country only
1: when you win. This is no ordinary year. So I ask you to think long and hard about the moment we're in. In a typical year, we're often not faced with questions of whether the vote we cast will preserve democracy or put us at risk. But this year we are. This year, I hope you'll make the future of our democracy an important part of your decision to vote and how you vote. I hope you'll ask a simple question of each candidate you might vote for. Will that person accept the legitimate will of the American people, of the people voting in his district or her district? Will that person accept the outcome of the election, win or lose? The answer to that question is vital. And in my opinion, it should be decisive. And the answer to that question hangs the future of the country we love so much and the fate of the democracy that has made so much possible for us.
0: Any candidate can say yes, that they'll accept the results of a legitimate election. The question is whether or not the election is legitimate. And these elections are going to be proven illegitimate in many places. And I'll get to more of that in a second. But let's just close out the end of the worst closing argument from a President that has ever been made. Too many people have sacrificed too much for too many years for us to walk away from
1: the American project in democracy. Because we've enjoyed our freedoms for so long, it's easy to think they'll always be with us no matter what. But that isn't true today. In our bones we know democracy at risk is at risk. But we also know this. It's within our power each and every one of us to preserve our democracy. And I believe we will. I think I know this country. I know we will. You have the power. It's your choice. It's your decision. The fate of the nation, the fate of the soul of America lies where it always does, with the people, in your hands, in your heart, in your ballot. My fellow Americans, we'll meet this moment. We just need to remember who we are. We are the United States of America. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. May God bless you all. May God protect our troops. May God bless those standing guard over our democracy. Thank you. Godspeed.
0: Now, I wanted to play the whole thing because you're going to get sound bites of that speech from the media. And when you just get soundbites, it's easy to think, oh, he must have talked about other stuff. He must have talked about the issues Americans care about, like inflation or gas prices or food prices or illegal aliens or the exploitation of children in their schools. The fact that crime is rampant, the fact that millions and millions of lives were destroyed through covid mitigation strategies that did not mitigate covid and were certain to decimate Americans' livelihoods. He didn't even talk about climate change and abortion. Those are the issues Democrats pretend Americans actually care about, but at least their issues He didn't talk about any of it. All he did was talk about January 6th, political violence, voter intimidation, something that just is not happening, which is why he didn't mention any examples of it. The one example they pretend to have in Arizona just clearly aren't MAGA people whatsoever. He talked about the big lie. He talked about Donald Trump and he said democracy over and over and over and over and over again. There was absolutely nothing else there. And this was his big shot. This is Joe Biden with the national audience. He's supposed to be doing a victory lap on all the good things his party has brought the country over the last two years. But he didn't mention a single one because there aren't any. And if he mentioned them, no one would believe it any more than the rest of it. He is only playing on fear. He is only trying to stoke fear and division because they don't have a real case to make. It's only a hate movement. So what is going to happen next week? Well, all the polls show all the trends show. That this will be an absolutely historic wave election, that Republicans will win by enormous margins around the country, that they will win in places no one could have ever believed Republicans would win. And of course, that is based on a on an historic fraud narrative where Democrats have constructed these blue states through the infiltration and implementation of the election fraud apparatus. The states grow bluer and bluer, and it's easier to hang on to that power. So we imagine that places like California and Washington and New York and New Hampshire and Massachusetts and Oregon, they're just going to be blue forever. But Republicans are going to win in those places, too. Now, maybe not California. California system is completely and totally corrupt. But with this current momentum, it's possible for Republicans in California to win as well. And all of that simply would be true except for the presence of election fraud. So the question becomes how much election fraud will they attempt to pull off? Talking about this yesterday, the Washington post outlined what would happen in a bunch of different States. They are cluing you into the States that the Democrats will attempt to steal Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada, Michigan, The states we have been told over and over again are swing states. They told us Florida was a swing state. Florida's not going to be anywhere close. They told us Texas was not only going to turn purple, it was going to turn blue and that Beto O'Rourke was going to be the governor. But that doesn't seem like it's going to happen either. They can't even win the governorships in New York and Oregon. But there are some candidates who've done a lot of bad things. Because they were made a whole lot of promises. Katie Hobbs jumps to mind. What must John Fetterman have done to get all this support? That man is a literal walking vaccine negative side effect who shouldn't be considered for a leadership position in a Wendy's. No offense to Wendy's. And they're talking about making him a senator and they still haven't stopped talking about it which means they think they're going to pull it off somehow. And it's not because Pennsylvania is 50-50. Donald Trump was up by 800,000 votes on election night when they stopped counting. Elements of their 2020 election were already ruled unconstitutional. But did they subtract the votes? No, they didn't. They didn't do anything. They just continued serving illegitimately. So they will do it. They will try it. Are they going to pull it off in a major way? So that everybody knows, or will they take the smarter approach and just try to get key candidates in here and there? Well, that remains to be seen. But even the smarter approach is a bad approach because everybody's paying attention and everybody knows what to look for now. And they're watching it play out in Brazil right now. And it's not even a secret anymore. Tucker Carlson devoted his entire monologue last night. To the scenario I laid out on Tuesday and the scenario I've been talking about for a couple of months now. We are going to see in Brazil, will this be our 2024 or our 2020? It seems like it's our 2020, except they have different methods to try to fix it. And it looks like they may be pursuing those methods. We haven't gotten the report from the military yet, but we do know what that report will say. It'll say there's fraud because there's obvious fraud and people were monitoring it. If that doesn't say there was fraud, man, Brazil's in a lot of trouble. But the stolen Brazilian election points to a stolen American election. The dam is breaking. They're not going to put it back together. And when that dam finally breaks, whether it's Brazil or whether it's here next Wednesday, The people are going to know, even the people who have only woken up in the last two years and probably aren't all the way to understanding that the 2020 election was stolen, if they've flipped and they're going to vote for Republican candidates and MAGA candidates this time around because they're sick of lockdowns and vaccine mandates, they're sick of the gas prices and the food prices, they're sick of all of it. They're not just going to sit there and accept the results of an election. They know to be fraudulent. They know who their neighbors are voting for. They're not just going to stand there and take it. And in a single moment, all of a sudden they will become the election deniers and all of the people that they've listened to talking about the big lie for the last two years. Well, those people all of a sudden are going to be talking about them. And then the whole world opens up. The results of the election, as we're told them by the media next week or whenever they finally decide to tell us, are not going to be the whole truth. The underlying truth is already known. The results aren't going to change that. There's going to be fraud. It's only going to matter how much and then it's going to matter what we're going to do about it, because what I imagine we'll see is enough fraud to keep their necessary people in place while still giving Republicans the wins they need to have the thing seem legitimate on some level. And at that point, then the rhino faction gets activated. The side of the uniparty with the little R next to their name, they start coming out of nowhere and they brand themselves as the rational ones. They're the moderates. They're the centrists. They're the unifiers. They want to bring the country together. And what they will say to do that is Americans all need to come together. Now, this was a great victory for our party. Americans have expressed that they want Republicans in power. We are the leading Republicans, and we are saying these elections were just fine. Let's move past all the division and rancor from these past couple of years. Let's get to the important issues Americans really care about, and they will try to distract and move everyone away from the issue that Americans should care about absolutely the most about, which is the sanctity of our elections, because right now our elections do not have integrity. They are stolen. And I expect that that's the most likely scenario. But if the Democrats really go for it, if they just go all out on the steel and the media backs them up, our response is not to freak out or black pill or in any way promote violence. The people will not believe this stuff. You have to have some faith in the people. If it means we have to go out and peacefully and patriotically protest in the streets and make our numbers visible to the country, then that's what we will do. But let's not fall into the trap of pretending that nothing has happened in the last two years. The country is coming in our direction, and we had the majority in 2020. We have a massive, massive majority now. So we're going to stay smart. We're going to stay calm and we're going to speak the truth to everyone. If people say the election is over, give it up. Don't repeat the big lie. You can't talk about these things. You're going to tell them where they can stick that. And there's no backing down this time. There's no room for letting these communists roll over us again. The shame campaign, the bullying, all of that. None of it can work. Okay, we see where that gets us. That gets us to the point where people are injecting their children with an experimental gene therapy. We need to stand up and say what's right and let that work however long it takes, because it is working and we will get there. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic.